This evening we're going to look together at Luke chapter 12 and verses 13 to 21. Uh, Luke chapter 12 and verses 13 to 21. And I want to begin by reading words from verse 15, words of the Lord Jesus Christ, who said uh, to his uh, disciples, to the crowd, he said, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions possessions. The Lord Jesus Christ spent a great deal of time teaching. Sometimes he was teaching the disciples. He's doing that in the early part of the chapter. Uh, Now he's speaking to the crowd, and uh, the crowd that gathered was often very large. In the opening part of the chapter, we're told that a crowd of many thousands had gathered. There were times of popularity in Jesus' ministry. There were also times when people withdrew and no longer followed him. And it seems at the end of his ministry that there were not so many who would actually become uh, his disciples in the broader sense of followers of him, not just the twelve. But he always spoke relevantly. He spoke to particular situations and uh, spoke to individuals as he does here, this man who comes to him. And uh, he was always teaching them the application of the law of God, the, the moral law of God, the ten commandments and we're going to look this evening at one of those commandments because it's through the law of God that we become aware of our sin. Uh, The law is like a a mirror that we look into and uh, we see our lives and uh, what is often wrong with our lives and and Jesus uses a word here which just doesn't emphasize that it's wrong but it's foolish. He says of the The man, the farmer who had an abundance of crop, he says, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And so the law of God is a a guide, a guide about how we are to live. And uh, he highlights here a particular sin, which was something that affected not only uh, people in general, but, but also people who were deeply religious. Uh, Later in Luke's Gospel, uh, Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees, and we're told that the Pharisees loved money. Uh, They were covetous men. And so there's nothing in being religious which guards you against this particular sin. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. We've been living at a time, haven't we, when people have been told to watch, watch out, to be safe to wash our hands, to keep our distance, and so on. And people have been on their guard. And Jesus is saying that this is something that we need to be on our guard against. And uh, it's important as Christians that we don't allow uh, things that are not right to dominate our lives uh, and to become materialistic and uh, to become consumers in the sinful sense. And so the the warning is, is relevant to us. And so I want us to begin to see how Jesus highlights the sin of covetousness. And it is because of this man who comes with a question and a request, really. Teacher, he says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replies, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And uh, so this man has a request to Jesus. He obviously recognizes the authority of Jesus. People listen to him. 
And uh, many of them do what he says, and he's got a problem with his brother. Uh, and it's about an inheritance. Someone has died. Uh, father, perhaps, has died, and now the inheritance is to be divided. And the Old Testament law was very simple. If a man had two sons, then the elder son had two-thirds of the inheritance, and the younger son had a third. And uh, this man seems to be saying, I'm not getting my share. Uh, my brother is holding back on me. And it's something he had been looking forward to. It was his right. The law established his right to have a share in the uh, inheritance that his father left. But Jesus says, that, that's not my calling. That's not my task. Uh, I'm not a judge or an arbiter between you. He, he knew why he had come. And it was not to give rulings in that kind of dispute. Uh, one man says he came to bring men to God, not property to men. Uh, but nevertheless, he, he recognizes his responsibility and he goes on to use this as an example uh, of a particular temptation that may come to us. And he gives this warning, uh, a warning to all of them, not simply to this man, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed or covetousness. And uh, he highlights this particular sin, one of the Ten Commandments. It, it says in Exodus 20, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Uh, it is perhaps one of the neglected commandments. Other commandments often, often claim our attention. How do, God, how do people speak about God? Do they keep the Lord's day? And do children honour their father and mother and killing and stealing and so on? But here this commandment is in many ways a commandment that lies at the root of many sins. And uh, it speaks about wanting or having more than one needs, an immoderate and greedy desire for material things. And uh, it can lead to uh, envy and jealousy, to dishonesty and to uncharitableness and unkindness. And living in the Western world as we do, we, we live in a society that has had more material wealth than any other in terms of its general availability to many people. And we're all liable uh, to covetousness. It's not a question of saying, well, if you've got lots of money, you're more likely to be covetous, but if you don't have much, well, you, you won't be so liable to it. The warning was very necessary. In fact, it was a covetousness wanting something that God had forbidden, which lay at the first sin in Eden. As the serpent said that you will be like God, knowing good from evil, if you eat of the forbidden fruit. And, and Eve looks at it, and it's attractive, and she, she disobeys God's command with all the terrible consequences that that has had for human beings ever since. And uh, when we are covetous, we're not content uh, with what we have. And uh, it's one evidence of, our, of the sinfulness of our hearts. And many warnings in, in the New Testament about the love of money. Not money itself, but the love of money. And uh, Paul, for instance, writing to Timothy, says that people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap 
and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so he's saying that that the love of money, not money itself, the love of money, is something that leads to all kinds of dangers. Hence the warning here, watch out and be on your guard. It involves uh, wanting to get a better job or to work longer hours uh, or to get a better pay scale. And it's all in order to get things that we need, but it it keeps on growing. The The desire keeps on growing. So the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 13 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And we're conscious that not only adults but also children and young people are affected by the the spirit of the age, Uh, always wanting, always desiring, always seeing something better than we have. And uh, Paul is saying to Timothy that when people have been eager for money, they've even wandered from the faith. And there are sometimes people who've regularly come along to a, uh, an evangelical church. They've been members. And then they begin to get more and more committed to their work and it becomes more and more important to them. They start working longer hours and uh, they don't come so regularly and they do well and they get a better house and a better car. And, and before long, that, that desire for material things has stifled their spiritual desires. Wandering from the faith, Paul says, and piercing themselves with many griefs. And so it's a danger which our Lord highlights and warns us against. And he says that covetousness takes takes different forms. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know, our advertising industry constantly is saying to people, if, if you have this, if you possess this, then your life will be better. Your life will be more fulfilling. And uh, Jesus is saying, be careful. An abundance of things, of stuff, uh, is not what life is all about. And uh, this man was asking a legitimate thing. If somebody had died and he had a share of his inheritance then there was nothing wrong in him being given it. And it was wrong to withhold it from him. But Jesus sees a danger. The danger that this man will say that this inheritance is the key to my happiness. Um, Sometimes uh, people today are thinking like that too. Um, Because of the increase in property values, uh, often uh, estates are worth more than they would have been. And uh, it can be a big change in somebody's life if somebody dies and uh, leaves some money to their family. Sometimes you have people who are very, very rich, for instance, the Gates, uh, and the Gates family have decided that they'll only give their children a certain amount. It's still a large sum of money, but they won't give them too much because they realize the danger there is in those things. But it can be a life-changing thing, a clearing of debts, a chance to live at a different level, And Jesus sees even in that legitimate inheritance which this man may be entitled to, the danger of covetousness. And uh, all kinds of greed, he says, are a temptation. And uh, people are sometimes looking forward to an inheritance. 
There's a discussion going on, isn't there, about how people choose to die and should they be free to choose to die. But one of the pressures that comes in that situation is that there'll be people who are saying, well, yes, the sooner you die, the sooner we have our inheritance. And the pressure that will come upon that. So there are all kinds of uh, forms that this greed takes, even things that are rightfully ours. And uh, multiplying possessions needlessly uh, doesn't satisfy our needs. We've got an insatiable appetite for things. And uh, much time is often consumed in, in caring for the things that we have. Uh, the writer to Ecclesia- in, of the book of Ecclesiastes says, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when he has a son, there is nothing left for him. What benefit are they to the owner except to feast their eyes upon them. You hear sometimes of rich people, and perhaps it's a man, he likes fast cars. He's got six or seven or eight or ten fast cars. He can't drive them all. What does he do? He goes and looks at them, and he polishes them, and he looks after them. Um, but that's it, just feasting the eyes, just being satisfied with possessing, even though those things cannot be fully utilized and done and, and Whatever level of income we have, we can be involved in the accumulation of, of things and uh, not finding satisfaction. Uh, the, the preacher in Ecclesiastes is explaining something is true of people in every age, isn't he? If we love money, we never have enough. And uh, we never are satisfied with our income and we, we chase it. And, and Jesus is saying, be on your guard, watch out. Uh, against all kinds of covetousness. Because covetousness makes us selfish, not generous. Sometimes people who have less are more generous than people who have more. Um, Sometimes as I've gone to countries where people are, compared to us, very poor, uh, you find people who are very generous, very hospitable. Uh, They don't have much, but what they have they share. Uh, And it's such a privilege to be with them and almost embarrassing in their generosity. And even there sometimes there's this temptation to covetousness. I was in Cameroon uh, on one occasion visiting a couple who were working in a medical project and I was travelling with one of the Cameroonian workers and uh, we travelled together and went to various places and showing me something of the work of the little clinics that they had, particularly in rural areas. And... um, he said to me, he came in one day to the prayer meeting at the beginning of the day in the centre. And he said, oh, it rained last night, he said. And uh, I've been making uh, bricks, mud bricks, to build a house. And uh, every day when I get back from work, and sometimes he was so tired with his work as he went around on a motorbike, he'd fall off his bike and just lie there, absolutely worn out. But he said, I've been... I've been making bricks and storing them, ready to build a house for myself and my family, and I'd like to build one for my mother as well. And he said, last night it rained, and I hadn't covered the bricks with leaves, and uh, the bricks melted. 
He said, I've lost a lot of them. Then he said this, I think the Lord is teaching me not to be proud. He said, I was looking at those bricks, I'm thinking, look at all those bricks I've made. What a great job I've done. You know, I thought, what a, what a spiritual-minded attitude to recognize the danger. Just mud bricks, that's why they, they melted in the rain. But the temptation to, to think of things, and it, it was a lovely thing to be able to, to see the work of God in this man's heart. Um, and so covetousness is this constant temptation. And uh, when we have things, it, it increases people's estimate of us and their admiration of us. And yet we become dependent on our positions. And, and there's the danger that somebody might steal them. Uh, one of our neighbours has gone on holiday and uh, they've asked one of the other neighbours to park their car in the drive to make it look as if the house is, uh, is occupied. Why? Well, because there will be people who know they're on holiday and will break in to take things. And the more you have, the more anxiety you have about these things. And uh, all these things, Jesus is saying, uh, are sins in the sight of God. And we sometimes don't notice covetousness as being a serious sin. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes, For of this you can be sure... No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. I think, yes, immorality, impurity, but greediness, covetousness as well. In Romans 1, he talks about those who exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator, serving things rather than God himself. He says, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so there's this temptation, the, the abundance of the things he possesses. This man is looking forward to a time of abundance through his inheritance. But Jesus tells him, that's not what life is all about. It's not about plenty. It's not about excess. It's not about the things that you can buy, uh, but it, it's something deeper than that. It's something more precious than that. We ourselves are more precious than that. He goes on to speak about God's provision for the birds and for the flowers and he encourages uh, his disciples to trust in God. But, but he's, he's warning us, he's highlighting the temptation to the sin of covetousness. And then he illustrates it with a, a parable about a rich man uh, whose land produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You see, here's another man, he's wise, he, he's a good businessman, isn't he? He has a bumper harvest and, and his barns won't contain all the crops that he has, so he says, I'll build bigger ones. And, and then he goes on to say this, now, now I've succeeded. And I'll say to myself, uh, some translation, I'll say to my soul, 
I'll say to my real self, uh, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. I'm secure now. The future is secure. I won't have to worry anymore because farmers are dependent, aren't they, uh, upon the weather and the different years of their crops. But this is a superabundant year and it secures his future, he thinks. And now he says, I'll be able to take, take life easy. I won't have to work so hard. And I'll be able to enjoy myself and enjoy pleasure, eating, drinking and be merry. I'll be able to have my friends around and to, to provide plenty for them so that they can share in my abundance. And, and God doesn't necessarily say that any of those things are wrong in themselves. Those things don't necessarily involve sinful behaviour. But the man has forgotten that he's mortal. You fool, he says. You finish your barns, you get everything stored away and you say, that's it, now I'm made. And that very night, your soul is required of you, is demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? So here's this man who is very rich, but he's very poor towards God. And... uh, Because he's got riches, he's got decisions to make, important decisions. What's he going to do? A man who is a beggar only thinks about where his next meal comes from, where his next drink comes from. But those who have more have all kinds of problems and challenges that this man has, these big projects to tear down the barns and build them. It took a while to do that. Had to get workers in and contractors in and materials in and manage it and make sure it was all done properly. And uh, that's what an abundance brings. And uh, worldly goods are, are his all. They're, they're what matters more than anything else. He says, my crops. But they're, they're only his for a season. He's a steward, not an absolute owner. And for what was he storing them? You see, it was covetousness. It was greed. He didn't need all that. He didn't need crops now for many years. And here was this temptation. And, and you know, sometimes when people have plenty and they're doing well and, and perhaps they, they become ill or, or uh, they realise that they're going to die and people say, isn't that terrible? Because they, they were just about to really enjoy themselves. And often people, because we live longer today and because people have many years in retirement, Uh, think that we're entitled to a certain number of years of happiness and enjoyment after we've worked for many years. But we don't have any right to those things. This man didn't have any right to those things. Uh, He was finding his security in material things and in ease and pleasure, never thinking about that fact that one day he would have to stand before God. One day he would die. There was an ancient ruler, Philip of Macedon, and He asked a servant to come in every day and say this to him. Philip, remember that you must die. He didn't want to be caught up with all the affairs of state and all his own importance and to forget that he was mortal. And Jesus puts it in a very vivid way, doesn't he? When he says, this very night your life will be demanded from you. The one who gave it will take it back. Sudden, in the night, and uh, all his earthly treasure left behind. Who was going to have it? He'd prepared it for himself, but others were going to have it. And uh, he hadn't prepared 
to meet God. He hadn't thought of that. That was the great priority. And uh, so that's why he was a, a fool. One man says he took pains to lay up treasure in a world he was hastening from, but took no care to lay it up in the world he was hastening to. And that's the danger of covetousness, isn't it? Things. Our life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. Either enjoyment of life or continuity of life. It doesn't exist in those things, but that's the temptation that confronts us all. So Jesus highlights the sin, he illustrates it, and then he states a principle. And he says in verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. He's saying that's what really matters, being rich towards God. Earthly riches and possessions are optional, but being rich towards God is vital and absolutely necessary. Um, He speaks uh, of laying up treasure on earth and treasure in heaven. And so there's a challenge to us, not any way to be guarding against the temptation to covetousness, but also being rich towards God. And that's how the teaching of the Bible often presents uh, things to us. That There are things that we must not do, but there are things that we must do. So when Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, let the thief no longer steal, but let him do honest work with his hands that he might help those who are in need. And here Jesus is saying the same, be care, beware of greed, beware of covetousness, but then be rich towards God. Of course, covetousness and greed and the things that bring us to that point can make us poor in our spiritual lives. But even if we stand against that temptation, are we rich towards God? And uh, how, how do we become rich towards God? Well, it begins with our recognizing our need to know the Savior, recognizing our sinfulness, recognizing that this sin of covetousness, like many other sins, is something that we struggle with, and recognizing that we need to be set free from its power, and we need to find forgiveness and peace with God. So it begins with putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't be rich towards God unless you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. And he is the supreme example of someone who was rich, yet became poor in order to be the saviour. And Paul writes to the Corinthians in the second letter, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. Jesus had all the riches of heaven and he left them and came to this world. He not only lived in this world, but he died on the cross for our sins. And that amazing love that he showed, he did it for us. He didn't do it for himself. He did it in order to enrich us. And uh, that's where being rich towards God begins in seeking God's forgiveness, finding peace with God, receiving the gift of eternal life, life that is real life, uh, not a life that is found or sought in an abundance of things. But then whether we are materially rich or poor, we need to, to live the Christian life. 
and to do it with abundance. You know, sometimes as Christians we sort of survive. We just do what's necessary. Um, but do you want to be the best that you can possibly be for God? You, to take your whole life, uh, to take everything you are, and, and to consecrate it to him. We sing hymns about that. But, but sometimes we fall short of that. Uh, one of the things, for instance, that characterizes characterize a Christian who is rich towards God is, is that daily trust in him and being glad for his providence. You know, Jesus taught us, didn't he, to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Are we thankful for God's provision? Even when we've got tomorrow's meals and perhaps the next week's, the next month's meals in the freezer, still we're saying it is God who provides me with all these good things. And we don't hoard our possessions. That's what the, the farmer did. They were for him. Um, but the, the righteous share in the Old Testament, sharing with those who are poor was constantly emphasized in the law. Not just sharing with fellow Israelites, but with foreigners and with widows and orphans. And that abundance, and, and, and you think of Dorcas and the example that she was in Acts uh, of how she made garments for, for the widows. And when she died, uh, the widows came and they showed all the good things that she had done for them. And everything God gave her, she saw as a, an opportunity to enrich others, to share uh, something of what she had. She wasn't necessarily a rich person, but she used her skills uh, for the benefit of others. And uh, looking to God, trusting him, recognizing that we're stewards of what God has given to us. We're not owners. And we, we want to be uh, faithful, uh, not in storing up things, but using them. Uh, how much good can be done with the things that God has given to us? So we grow in grace and in love for others. We, we, we turn outward from ourselves. Covetousness turns us in. The more we have, the more likely we are to be obsessed with our own needs and not to want to give to others. But we want to grow in grace. We want to be more trusting, grow in faith, grow in obedience, reading God's word and putting it into practice. In humility as we struggle with sin, in self-denial, in good works, in holy living, in witnessing to the gospel, in serving God. We want to be rich in those things, are we? Uh, guarding against the sin of covetousness, but being rich towards God. Not storing up things for ourselves, but giving him everything that we are and everything that we have. And of course, it's all a wonderful response to, to his grace to us, isn't it? What can we give back to God uh, for all he's done for us? How can we show any return for his amazing generosity and love? But we want to love him with all our heart and soul and strength and mind. And, you know, it's one of the challenges, I think, to us as Christians to, to stand in the face of temptation to the sin of covetousness. And with God, by God's grace, to resist that. But also then to have an abundant spiritual life. Lived for God. Because it, it's that life that people will often see. And it's always an attractive life. 
it's always something that, that is reminiscent of God. Uh, Jesus says, doesn't he, let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they will give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And people might come and say to us, you know, you, you've got something I haven't got. It's because by God's grace, we're being rich to him. And that's what life is all about. That's what we were made for. We were made to love God with all our heart and soul and strength and mind and to love our neighbour as ourselves. They go together, don't they? Offering back to God everything that he's given to us and, and sharing with those around us in the way that we would hope that people would share and provide for us. And so Jesus here has a, a warning and a statement. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage of your word and for the teaching of our Saviour. We are conscious that he spoke with authority and not as the scribes and the teachers of the law. And we find his teaching to be a challenge to us as we live day by day. O Lord, help us to resist the temptation to covetousness. We thank you for the things that we have. Lord, make us content with those things we pray. And help us not to seek abundance of possessions and fulfilment through them. But help us, O Lord, to seek you, the great creator, the one who made all things, the great provider. We thank you that you are the one who gives us every day our daily bread and you are faithful in all your ways. And we pray, Father, that you will help us to trust you and to be rich towards you. Forgive us for those times when we don't offer you our best, but we, we offer you something less than that. Grant, O oh Lord, that our lives might abound with all grace and love and kindness love for you and love for those around us and that when men see our good works they might give glory to you our father in heaven for we ask these things in our saviour's name amen